0: What is up, everybody? Welcome into a special pre-taped episode of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. We don't do a ton of these, especially in season. I'm I'm trying to do them a little bit more. I I mentioned to everybody recently that our coverage is changing a little bit in July. More on that to come in about two weeks now. We're going to probably have the big unveiling. But, man, I had to chop it up one time this offseason with my guy, uh, Buffalo Bills fans. He needs no introduction. Marcel Louis-Jacques from ESPN. Spent a couple years here. Now he's down in Miami covering the Dolphins and doing it in a big way as only he can. What is up, buddy? How are you?
1: Good, man. I'm good. It's wild to think about that. Come probably, I think it's October, I believe, or September or October, I will have been in Miami for longer than I was in Buffalo. And it seems like it was just yesterday, right? It seems like I was just, we, we were just, you know, on the course for the last time. We are just at Brightsmith. But, uh, yeah, man, time has flown over the past few years. It feels like the dynamics between these two teams has completely changed over the past few years. And it's its shaping up to be a pretty exciting season here.
0: We're going to get into all of that, but I want to start with some personal stuff. Like, We'll get into some football stuff later. What do you feel like you, you come to Buffalo Uh we We chronicled your ger- journey on an episode of this show before we went back, both of us through our, you know, journalism careers, you know, you, you came the, the ESPN gave it after the observer. I felt like it was, you know, taking it to that next level. I mean, ESPN is like the pinnacle really of, of what we do in this business sports wise. And, you know, you did that in Buffalo for two years. Now you're doing it in Miami. It feels even bigger at times. I mean, all eyes uh, on South Beach at all times. What's this been like for you and what have you learned about yourself kind of taking this next step and doing it down there in Miami?
1: You know, it's my agent and I had a plan coming down here um, that despite the discrepancy between the two teams, this was a bigger market and it was going to lead to more TV opportunities, which would lead to me being better at TV. And uh, mm-hmm. and then hopefully getting on the radar of some of the people, the bigger decision makers at ESPN. I was just thinking about it too the other day. It's funny. The things that don't make me nervous anymore that I knew would terrify me before. Like when I had my first live hit in Buffalo uh, before the Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys. I mean, I was walking around that locker room like a zombie. Like, I can't believe I'm about to go on live television in like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I don't know what I'm going to say. I hope I don't mess up. Everybody's going to be watching this, this, this. Meanwhile, I had a live hit, I think a week or two ago here, no production crew. I just set it up myself. I didn't even know what I was going to say until I was getting off the freeway and going to the stadium. I practiced it one time, ran through like the rough cut of the topics I wanted to hit, said, okay, I'm fine. Flawless right there. Like it, it's just, it's amazing what reps will, will, will do. So like I've learned, no, I'm not bad on TV. I'm not uncomfortable on camera. I just needed the practice and that kind of culminated uh, last week on, on Around the Horn for the first time, uh, I mean, I, I had Butterflies just because it was such a like monumental occasion for me personally, but everything else felt so familiar. Talking on camera felt familiar, felt like what we're doing right now. The production meeting, done that a hundred times, whether we're in, in mock shows with Unseen Productions or podcasts or just other live and TV appearances, everything felt so familiar, and it was just—it was in- incredibly validating for me then. And you know, my favorite part of, of, of TV is other people saying, "Hey, man, I saw you at da da da. I saw I was watching this. I was at this bar, and you popped up. I like that more than I like. I think being on TV itself, like seeing how how happy it makes other people, it, is really it, it does it for me. So uh, that's been that's been just again the culmination of the past two years of reps and work, and practice, and just being on top of, of stories. Because like you said, man, like it, it, it has felt like over the past two years, there have been major stories that have put the entire country's eyes on Miami. And Miami's not unique in that, but it has felt like there have been big stories that I've had to be on top of, big stories that I've had to be ready at a moment's notice to, to cover and to talk about coherently on television. And that has taught me a lot about how I deal with stress, how I deal with these kind of high energy situations. It, it's taught me to, you know, when that, you know, that moment, man, like when, when news breaks, when you get that, that push alert, you get that text, you get that email. And there's like that moment of like, your mind races a little bit like, okay, what do I need to hit first? Right. I have I learned the art of that. The 10 second pause to like read the notification, read whatever the news is breathe. And then Compartmentalize and attack what we need to attack. So, like, I really feel I've grown over the past few years, at least professionally. I don't, I don't know personally; some people may say otherwise, but professionally, <laughs> I think I've grown over the past couple of years.
0: Dude, like, you've always been great at what you do, but I got to tell you. So, last week, when you know you you referred to it already, uh, going on around the horn, um, my wife saw the tweet and showed it to me, you were the 53rd panelist in the history of that show. And I mean, that has been a um, staple of ESPN. And, you know, I remember coming home after, you know, high school class, coming in, my dad having it on TV, watching like, you know, Woody and uh, all the different um uh, panelists over the years. Um, what's the dude in California? J. A. Adande. He was my favorite. I th- I thought he always dunked on people, and I I enjoyed that. When I got the, the like the saw the notification that you were going on there, I got to be honest with you, as my friend, I'm like shit. I'm in. I'm I'm nervous for this dude, man. Like I know he's on ESPN Sports Center. He's leading in like prime time hits. But I'm like around the horn. I mean, like I feel like there's like that that debate like premise that I don't know if personally I'd ever be able to do it and. I I'd like to think that I would get myself to that place, but there's a lot big difference between doing like a podcast or even some of these live shows that we're doing, which I want to talk about in a second too. But what was going through your mind when you actually sat down in the chair and you're like, okay, now I'm going to have to actually go toe to toe with people that have been on this show before.
1: So over the past few months I've been doing, I'd mentioned unseen productions before it's run by producers who either are familiar with the format of the show. have worked on the show, are working currently on the show. And it's for, you know, up and coming, I guess, personalities, writers, journalists. And we just we do mock shows like we I basically run around the horn before I was on around the horn. And so, like, I, I've had that practice before, even though it wasn't for, you know, a, a national, international audience. But uh, the, that's what I meant when I'm saying like everything kind of felt it felt familiar. I haven't gotten to do that debate style you know, like you said, it's different than than podcasting. It's different than, you know, radio hits or live appearances. I hadn't gotten to do that on television before. So, like, that's where the butterflies and, like, a little bit maybe of the nerves were, were coming from. But we had a production meeting earlier in the day. Like, we ran through the topics. Like, I knew I had points I wanted to hit for every single topic. Uh, and then beyond that, it's just, like, it sounds so corny to just say, like, be yourself. But, like, literally, like, that's what Tony is looking for. And... and Also, man, I can't believe I've gone this long without mentioning Tony. He might be the nicest guy in sports. Like there's a, there's a difference between, there's a difference between like welcoming, welcoming somebody to your show and being genuinely excited that somebody is on it. And I didn't feel like Tony was just like, Hey man, welcome. We're happy to have you. This is what I'm going to do. Tony was like, dude, I can't believe we're finally getting you on the show, man. Like, I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy for you. You should be proud. Like, he, he sent me this text afterward and we had like a 20 minute phone chat the day before the show, just like him running me through certain finer points of the program. He sent me a text afterward that said, uh, after checking in, like, Hey, how did it go? What'd you think? He's like, this was not your debut. This was you being exactly where you're supposed to be now go enjoy it with the people you love. And it was like, dude, i speechless. <laughs> I'm speechless, truly. Like the guy was, he was such a, he was such a help. It was such a fun process of recording. Uh, It was like, I was in this uh, like satellite studio here in Miami, like had like a big, like 85 inch TV behind me with the graphics running, had a makeup artist, like touch up, you know, certain parts (laughs) of my face. Like it was just, it was surreal, man. It, It was, it was really, it was surreal. But I just told myself like, look, this is what, this is what we practice for. I know these topics. Like these are. It's not like, you know, the, I'm I'm being asked to explain quantum physics or right. you know foreign diplomacy. Like then I'd be like, oh boy. <laughs> but uh, like sports, man. Like I, I know you 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 would crush it, dude. You would crush it because like you do this. We do this for for a right. living. It, it's just like a little different, but the questions are all the same. The topics are all are all things that we're we're knowledgeable about. And it's basically it's it's essentially doing a, a, a radio hit or a podcast or argument with your friends, debate with your friends, with the exception of you got to kind of watch what you're doing
0: with your face. <laughs> yeah. And just talk to, you know, potentially a million people or whatever it ends up <laughs> being that are watching the show in, in whatever form they, they take it in. No, it was awesome. Uh, I actually watched it with the whole family. Uh, when Lucas walked in, um, cause he was, they were finishing dinner and he walked into the room and that's when the guys kind of all popped up at the beginning of the show and he goes, Oh, Hey, there's Marcel. I miss Morty. <laughs> that was, the, that was the big line that kind of came through. It's like, I know, man, I miss him too. I miss him too.
1: I am about to say, I will ship Morty. I'll put him on a flight today. If y'all, <laughs> if y'all want him, I please, you can take him. He's a menace. Uh, He's a menace.
0: Poor guy. Poor Morty. No, what we got, we got our hands full with Walt out here. One of these things is, did Morty ever do this? Because Walt has a little beagle in him, he like goes outside, he like rolls around in poop. Like, dude, stop doing that, man! Like, what are you doing? Come in, and I'm like, man, I gotta give you a bath, and I don't even want to touch it. Actually, my wife's (laughs) gotta give him a bath. That was one of the rules when we got the dog. I was like, I'm not picking up poop, and I'm not like dealing with any poop.
1: It's uh, I I actually bought a pair of, and I don't know if Kalen does it too. Like, I bought a pair of like latex gloves for okay. when he is filthy, so I can just, or and I can pick up whatever he peed on. Like, uh, let's see, he loves to he loves to pee in his crate if I'm gone for more than a couple hours. Like, it doesn't, right. and it doesn't matter if he's gone outside or not. It doesn't matter because I, I make it. sure the first. Pers- like when i was when i was doing the research and development of, of putting him in his crate i realized okay if i didn't take him out that's on me that's mm-hmm. on me i can't get upset but i've taken him out put him in the crate and before i leave the home he has peed in the crate uh, yeah yeah it, like, it makes me rip my hair out because like <laughs> there have been times where like I, I i hope i don't get i better not get in trouble for this because it's 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 reasonable there have been times i've had to just leave him in the bathtub like if i'm going right. for if i'm going to the store if i'm going to get my hair cut I'd be like, dude, I, I don't trust you. I don't right. trust you, but I know that like this is easy to clean. I'm out of if I'm out of pads, I'm out of towels. He's peeped through his pillows, his blankets. Like I, I, it will put me at my wits end. So I'll give him a good treat, leave a bottle or a, a bowl of water in that tub with him. Like he associates it with bath time, but it's like, look, man, it's you're probably gonna need a bath. I, <laughs> I, I bathe you more than I bathe myself at this point. <laughs> <Right>? It's ridiculous. <laughs>
0: that's a great line yeah you know, yeah i don't know what the rules are and everything like that but if you're going to the store and you leave him in there with a with water and a treat i, I think you're all right like um, i'm not like abusing the dog like he just
1: he's got plenty of space he's got more space in the tub than in his crate in theory right but uh exactly. yeah it's like i am i'll tell you what if you've ever had to clean pee or dog poop out of a crate before then you uh, kind of you understand the dilemma here like i i hate doing that I hate you did not clean out of your car the one time, didn't you? Didn't he do it Tell in me. the car? He has peed in the car multiple times. Uh, that one, that, uh, again, that was trial and error on my part. Because first I just put him straight in the car and drove down the street and we wouldn't make it around the block. Mm. We wouldn't make it around the block. Like, okay. So then I took him out first and then put him in the car. Same deal. Took him out first. And I found the trick, he has to be laying on something. So it has to be a blanket, his bed, a pillow, whatever. He has to be sitting or laying on something and then he will be, he will be fine. Mm-hmm. So trial and error here. But again, that's the part of the process. That is, that's, that's my family here, that's my guy. Like I can't just not take him places. I can't not rule right. places. So like, it's, I'm like, more. we gotta figure this out, bud. I just, I wish there was like, I wish we lived in like a Disney movie and there was like five minutes a year. That's all I need. Five minutes a year where we could understand each other. We can air some grievances. We can explain some behaviors. <laughs> like, why did you pee in your crate when I left? He'd be like, dude, I didn't think you were coming back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were gone forever. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will not be held accountable for what I did when I was panicking. So, like, <laughs> I just, like a couple minutes a year, please, Morty. But, like, I know he, he means well. He's just, I think during the offseason, he gets like severe separation anxiety since i'm i'm always home right right i go from being always home to like never home Mm -hmm. so uh i don't i don't know how to practice that i I might need to google a couple tips or some people y'all might need to dm me or tweet at me some tips uh just don't yell at me for the bathtub thing man i need i'm at my wits end i'm at my wits end (laughs)
0: listen you're doing it in a in a caring way you're trying to put them in a better situation. listen i don't know if i'd want the bathtub's bigger. And you, there's more mobility. And then like, if you go to the bathroom in the crate, you're going to just be in it. Like, yeah, so I, I, I get, I get the, the, the mindset there.
1: He's going to be soaked. then I have to give him back. So you're going in the bathtub anyways, like right. at least this time we're saving, a, we're saving a step. Like uh, it, it, it's, it's not out of, out of, out of anger. It's not like I'm running the shower, like cold water while he's in it the old time and it's dry. And like it, it's it's just I can't leave him out of the crate because he will tear the house up. Like right. He, you, I'm sure I know he's done it. I know he's done it <laughs> to y'all. Like he'll find the trash. He'll find old food. He'll find he does. He is
0: try. kind of sneaky about it too. Like he's not he's not like a run around like crazy terror type of dog. But he's a like yeah, turn the other way. As soon as you do, I'm going to eat all this stuff right here.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm out. That's your problem. If you didn't watch me, if you're not watching me, that's on you. he's like i love i love my dog he's a bad dog like we can say he's a bad dog he gets into trouble he does bad things he's just not loud and in your face about it but like he he there have been a there's been a sitter or two that said hey i need some time off from from this dog like i understand (laughs) i understand completely i'm sorry Yeah, I know, we can get off Morty in just a sec. I just have to get this off my chest. No, get it off. I don't. I don't remember if I tweeted about it or not. But uh, when I was at the, I was at the combine. I left him with a with a sitter. Who has been he's been there two three times before. And the last morning, or the second to last morning, I wake up to a text from her, like in peril. Like I'm so sorry, I have to charge you a cleaning fee. He's been peeing and going to the bathroom in the house every day. Like I have a newborn. Like it, this is just it's too much. So it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Obviously sent the bunny over immediately. Later that night, the, she goes to McDonald's for a couple minutes, comes back. Morty had eaten $75 worth of aquarium upkeep supplies. I mean, like, plant vitamins, shrimp. Uh, I forget the other thing, but, like, she sent me a whole list because I was like, hey, whatever, is, I'll pay for it. And then she sent me the whole list. I was like, Morty, bud. <laughs> this isn't even. And of course, throws up one time, and then it's perfectly fine the rest of the time. Iron stomach—that's uh, I will say. Iron stomach,
0: good for him. My man, listen—he's just living his life. He's got one life to live. He's living it to the fullest. Be damned, your your wants and needs for a clean house. Yeah, I'm nervous. I don't know where he is right now. I hope it's in his bed. I hope. Go. Well, give him a kiss from us. Well, we miss him. Um, let's get to. So one thing that people always get asked that leave any town, like when I get people, what do you miss about Las Vegas? I always think it's interesting, especially with the time that goes by now that it's almost, it's going to be like, what two years or is it over two years? I don't even know. Is it coming up on two years? What is it? We're
1: coming coming up on, we're coming up on two years. uh, years. I left on August 20,
0: like fourth or fifth. Okay. So, what do you still think about that you're like and listen you live in miami i mean there's not a lot of things that you probably want or or miss or need but what is one thing that you're like man i love that about buffalo
1: see this is the thing that like the people who are still for some reason so mad or like still hold it against me that i left don't realize about me it's like i'm not a i'm not like a club rat like i'm not like in miami i'm not at 11 i'm not out live every night <laughs> like i'm not out here like pumping my fist on the beach like i like the beach i like the ocean. I like looking at the water. I like the architecture here. I like the food here and, you know, the weather. But, like, this was a career move. This wasn't necessarily, like, I have to have that style of city. I have to live that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It was. It's a bigger market. I want to be on TV more. This is best for my career. Um, what I miss most about Buffalo is just the overall pace of the city. Like, the speed of that city was was perfect for me. And, like, it's hard to really describe what that means unless you've been there. But, like, the fact that, let's say – Dude, if I wanted to go to Barbill in, uh, if I wanted to go not to the north one, the, the East Aurora, East Aurora, Aurora, yep, 20, 25 minutes. Right. Max. Right. I want to get to work. It's 20 minutes. Doesn't matter the time of day. If I want to run an errand, if I want to go ship something, if I want to go pick something up, go to the doctor, I can get an appointment either that day or the next day. I can go right in and ship it. There might be three, four people in line wherever I go. If I want to go to the gym, it's gonna be me and like ten people there, twenty people there max. Like it, it was just, it was the perfect size and speed for what I'm personally looking for in the city. In the city, like I don't, I I don't love the fact that let's say, and anybody in Miami who watches this will have to agree with it because it's not a lie. There's a cutoff for errands here. There's a, there is a cutoff if if I have to do something at five p.m and I can't walk, I'm not doing it until the next morning. Mm. Because I'm going to be stuck in traffic everywhere I go. I tried to go to UPS the other day, the line was out the door. Like I go to the store, and there's lines wrapped all through Publix. Like it just there's so many people, it might just be the part of town I'm in. But like, there's so many people. And I don't love that about Miami. And I did miss that about Buffalo. I miss like kind of that sense, I guess of, I don't want to say sense of community. But like, I felt like the Bills were more important in Buffalo than the Dolphins are here. And that's not to dunk on Dolphins fans or saying Dolphins fans don't care. It's that, like, Bills fans, but the people of Buffalo, like, associate their identity with the Bills. Like, they it's woven into the identity of the city. It's not quite the case here, although, like, it is... I have seen it grow over the past couple of years. But, like, I used to kind of... I, I kind of liked... And this is going to sound maybe a little egotistical, but, like, I liked going out to... Uh, a bar and you know somebody is there and wants to talk about the builds, or like somebody is there and like has a question about some roster move or like you know somebody tweets at me hey man saw you walking morty down the street like what's it called just wanted to say what's up didn't want to bother you like i thought that was that was really that was really cool like that was really enjoyable like it's there's a reason it, it it i was i responded with such gusto when everybody, you know, when people were, were mad at me for, for leaving or continued to be like that over the last year, like, it was, I, ne- I never hated, I never hated Buffalo. Like, I never, you know this, everybody who yep. knows me knows this. Like, it's such like an asinine thing for, it was such an asinine narrative for people to, to throw at me. Like, he never liked it here. He always hated it. I was there for two years you know, right. you can't act i think like psychologically you can only keep up and act for like maximum 3 months without being like a psychopath <laughs> i'm not a psychopath like i loved that city man it was it wasn't easy to leave it wasn't easy to leave but, like i need like for my career and and i think I'm, i've proved it over the past 2 years like i believed that this was the best move it's not the first time i left somewhere some people i loved in in the uh, pursuit of my career goals like it wasn't easy. I genuinely loved it there. I still keep up with obviously keep up with my people there. I still keep up with my like my my restaurants there, man. Like I'm I visit every time I'm back. Uh, it's my favorite road trip every single year, and I go to New York City every year. I love yeah. New York City. Buffalo is always my favorite trip. I'm actually kind of upset that it's in week four this year because it's not even be cold. Like I liked I liked grabbing like my big coats or you know wearing. You're a there.
0: You're alone there. I like the (laughs) dynamic of the trips this year. I really like them. (laughs) I
1: bet, man. Miami in December sounds like a dream, yeah?
0: Oh, my gosh. uh, We go to L.A. the 23rd, two days before Christmas, and then I think that first week of January to Miami. To me, that is perfection. That's
1: Yeah, that's that's elite. I'll give that to you guys. (laughs) I'll give that to y'all. Y'all deserve that, man. I also, and speaking of road trip, I also miss the airport. Oh, I missed the airport. Great take. That's be a great take. And 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 not and not for the reason that people think. Like, oh, it's small; it's easy to get in. That that goes without saying. It's we travel so much. It's the sense of calm you get when you land. Mm-hmm. It's quiet. There's nobody there. You can go right downstairs to get your bag, or you can go right outside to get to your car. You don't have to take a shuttle. You don't have to park in a, like, a big, massive garage that's a mile away from the terminal. Like. I land in Miami and it's chaos. Like there, I keep my, I feel like I'm in an Apple commercial. I keep my headphones over my head on noise cancel mode, just so I can like kind of stay, try to stay in my own world. But I mean, there's, it's a major airport. It's a million people everywhere. I gotta take a tram here, wait 45 minutes. If I check the bag and pray for an Uber, I go outside and it's 70,000 cars like Mm -hmm. dipping in and out of of the lane. Like it's, MIA airport is chaos. And, like, I don't like coming home to chaos. I did very much like coming home to that. Silence. <laughs> it, it was
0: wonderful. I, didn't, I don't even think I really appreciate that part of it. Because you're right. Because I've been in probably every airport in major airport in this country. And they, you know, going on, a, on the road when you got to fly in at, like, 930, 10 o'clock at night. And it's still just, like, bustling. And mm. you're just, like, just trying to get to your – rental or Uber and get to the hotel and go to sleep. And it's just like, that, that could be rough. And so, so that's your home airport. I never thought about it that way.
1: Yeah. Like going to these, go, when you're traveling to a place, like you don't really mind the hustle and bustle. Right. And matter of fact, it's kind of exciting. Like the, the bustle of an airport, but like, while I do appreciate the flights here, like I, I can get nonstop flights almost everywhere. Uh, I and mean, you can't get that. You can't get that in Buffalo unless you're traveling in the Rust Belt. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a lot when like it's just been a long week, you know what I mean, or a long weekend. Uh, I mean, I came back from uh, I did. I spent ten days in California last season when we they played the the Niners and the Chargers. And so, like coming back to the airport, I'm beat, man. I've been living out of suitcase for a week and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm tired, and uh, it's just it was pure chaos here. Traffic. It was. I got back. I think middle of the day, like four PM, give or take. So like traffic rush hour here. Like can't get to the Uber. Like I, it's hot. Like I, I'm it, it just isn't the. It, it isn't conducive environment to serenity, to, mm-hmm. to to being calm. But like again, that's not to that's not to to dunk on Miami. I think anybody who's flown in and out of Miami Airport would say like. This is not a proper representation of this city. It, it, it's, it's not glitzy, it's not glamorous. It, it's, there's one terminal, two terminals that are actually hell. They're actually hell. Terminal G is, is literally hell. Do not ever fly Southwest into Miami, do not fly Spirit, do not fly Frontier, if you can help it. Yeah, the, the, like, that's
0: good advice to live by.
1: Yeah, I got, I got y'all, I got y'all. But no, I do miss that about I do miss that about Buffalo, but you know it's no, it's, it's there's no frills in Buffalo either. There's no, I mean, I think they got what, an anchor bar and a, a sandwich shop.
0: In Damn, the, bro, you're gonna you're gonna throw out the anchor bar as the spot to go? No, I'm saying uh, like, that, I'm saying oh, like at that the airport. Airport. Oh yeah yeah, 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 at the airport. No, there's zero <laughs> yeah. frills. At yeah. It, oh, it, oh. It. What did they just put in? They just put in something. Oh, I think they put a Five Guys in there or something. That was big time. That was oh like really God. big time, like taking it up a level. I might get there.
1: I might get to to the airport forty five minutes early now instead of fifteen minutes early. Right.
0: <laughs> oh, but you're right. No, you're totally right. The, we need. To, I think they definitely need to like enter the this era and get some better spot, spots in there. Chef, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. All right, let's move on, though, because I wanna—I don't want to keep you too long, and I want to get to some AFC East stuff because it's kind of been a theme over the last week. Um, when this show comes out, um, oh, this other podcast that I did won't come out, but we spent some some time on a, on the AFC East recently, um, and I wanted to get your thoughts on just where things lie. We, we have a great picture now of all four of these rosters. Um, everything that's been done, there might be a move or two here. I mean, there might be a DeAndre Hopkins edition. Uh, maybe in New England or something like that. How do you kind of see the pecking order going into this season? What is something that maybe the the NFL world community is off on, and, and or maybe something that they're not talking enough about when it comes to the AFC East?
1: Uh, I think they're overvaluing the Jets. Right off the top of the head, I think the Jets are it's, they're putting a lot into Aaron Rodgers because last year it was pretty clear that they were a quarterback away from being a real threat. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to deny that, but that was last year. Rodgers is another year older. This is a new system. Even though, you know, he's playing with um with what's his name? Nate Hackett as as his OC. And he brought a lot of cronies over from from Green Bay. It's still a young group of of core playmakers and Garrett Wilson and, you know, hopefully um, Brees Hall coming back from that torn ACL. It's not a good offensive line right now. It's not a good offensive. No, I don't think any, to be completely honest, I don't think any team in the AFC East has a particularly good offensive line right now.
0: They're all like bad.
1: Yeah, like, <laughs> there's I's not, a- I think like the, the Patriots might have the best and because they run the ball so much, they, that's kind of a, it comes with it. But the Jets offensive line might have Rogers scrambling around more than he's comfortable with. And with every year he gets older, that ability starts to wane his ability to, to make moves outside of the pocket, he's going to have to do that quite a bit with this offensive line that has been injury-prone over the past several years. So, you know, the, the fact that he's been present for, for off-season activities and spring practices, I think, says a lot toward his willingness to make this happen. Obviously, he wasn't doing that in Green Bay, but I, I think that the world needs to pump the brakes on the Jets, ground the Jets for just a second here. Like, let's not scramble the Jets quite yet. Uh, you know, talking about Super Bowl contenders and AFC East favorite, there's a very realistic, very realistic possibility or situation scenario in which they're the third best team in the division next year. They're third best. Buffalo is still Buffalo. As long as they have Josh Allen, I, I, it's impossible to really count that team out. As long as Josh Allen is Josh Allen, like it, it's, it's impossible to. Miami has gotten exponentially better on their worst side of the ball this year not just adding Jalen Ramsey but adding Vic Bangio, I don't think gets talked about enough as maybe one of the bigger moves of this offseason he is the mo- was the most in-demand defensive coordinator in this cycle took a year off not from his own you know not because he couldn't find a job but because he didn't want a job he wanted to relax one of the best defensive minds in NFL history just spent the past year studying the league and coming up with new coverages and new ideas on how to like how to counteract an offense uh they've got a lot of players on that side of the ball in my in miami and that offense is still that offense so i i i really it's taking a lot for me not to say miami should be the favorite in the afc east because i still believe in order to be the best you have to beat the best and the bills are three time three time reigning afc east champions yeah Until, like, I see that change in midseason, like, I have to give them the nod here. I don't think the Bills got, I don't think they got that much worse, like, really worse at all. I don't think they particularly got a lot better this offseason. But it's not like, you know, it's not like they, Deion Dawkins is gone and now Jordan Poirier left and Diggs left. It's not like, like they're devoid of talent. Like, they still have a lot of that same talent. I just – I don't think that they necessarily – I don't think they improved at the rate that Miami or New York improved. And then New England I don't even care about. If they got DeAndre Hopkins, it moves them from maybe fourth place by five games to fourth place by four games or three. I, I, don't, I, I don't believe in Mac Jones. Uh, we'll see what Bill O'Brien can do for that offense. But I don't like that group of pass catchers, and especially for a quarterback – that struggles against man coverage. You've got a bunch of guys who, you know, that's their, their, their bread and butter. You know what I mean? Like, if you get DeAndre Hopkins, like, that's how, that's how he, he wins his battles. He doesn't separate. He just kind of, like, out-muscles guys. Like, so, for a guy who already struggles to hit tight windows, you're throwing to a guy who needs a tight window. And same goes for Devontae Parker, who is DeAndre Hopkins' light. He's a poor man's DeAndre Hopkins already. I don't think Juju Smith-Suster is a number one receiver. I don't think, I don't know if they have Nelson Aguilar or not, but even still, like, they've got a collection of wide receiver twos and threes. It's just, it's not a, it's not a offense that I think strikes fear in any defensive coordinator. I think Sean McDermott, I think uh, Vic Fangio, they're going to sleep just
0: fine the night before they play the Patriots. It's interesting because the New England conversation is, I want to say that I think that there's more juice there because of some of the moves Mm they made defensively and the fact that Bill Belichick is eventually going to get things figured out on that side. I really like getting Christian Gonzalez where they did. I really like some of the additions. They, they have some pieces that are developing. Like I put Josh Uche, like just a like sliver behind Jalen Phillips in terms of what they could be this year. Like I think Jalen Phillips has the potential to be a top five pass rusher. Right. I think Josh Uche is on that tier down. I watched them up close twice last year. Like, there's some things to like. You know they're going to be strong on the interior. They went out and they got that one dude, uh, Mapu, uh, another kind of like hybrid type of guy that they could play in like a, a Duggar type role. And they still have Duggar, who's, who's really good as well. Yeah. The problem is for that defense is I think because they've been so inept at offense, it saps that juice before too long over the course of the season. So it's like if they come out and the offense sucks in the first month, they're shot.
1: Exactly. This isn't a division where you can afford to fall behind too early. And I believe, like, all, I don't know everybody's schedule by heart. Like, I know the Dolphins, but I know that they're all playing essentially the same teams. And, like, the Dolphins have the second-hardest schedule in the NFL. That means everybody else in the division is probably flirting with that top 10, if not squarely, inside of it. So, like, it, it's a, it is a meat-grinder division. I think that this and the NFC, I believe it's the NFC West, right? Well, yeah, Seattle 49ers and, and and I think the Rams probably bounce back this year. Uh, And the AFC West is pretty, is should be tight as well. But I think the AFC East is, is the best division in, 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 football. Like I said, there's a few that can, that can, you know, that are in that talk that are in that, in that debate, in that conversation. But I think the AFC East is pretty clearly, it should have three, it should have three playoff teams next year. It should have last year, but I would expect all three of those you know, of, of Buffalo, Miami and, and New York to be playing postseason football this year.
0: Last thing uh, before I get out of here, uh, you covered Sean McDermott, Stefan Diggs, um, you know, at the beginning of that relationship. And we've seen things I don't want to say deteriorate, but we've a, we've obviously seen some some things bubble up here over the course of the last six to seven months, the whole deal that went on during mini camp and Sean McDermott saying he wasn't here, but he was. And then Diggs people coming out through the media and setting the record straight. And then McDermott having to come out and do like an impromptu press conference to like clear the air and set things straight from a distance as somebody who's ultra familiar, has an intimate knowledge of this organization and this whole situation. What's your read on everything from what Diggs is, Potential issue is we've talked about several different theories over the course of the last couple of weeks on the show, this whole off season really. And then what's been going on with McDermott this off season from now taking on the play calling to all of this stuff with, with Diggs. What's your read on all of this?
1: Well, what worried me the most, if I, like just from an objective standpoint, not like I'm sitting here biting my nails about it, but what worried <laughs> me the most about the, the mini camp mess was that it wasn't financially motivated. Steph is, he's due to make, what, $24 million this year. He's one of the highest paid receivers in the NFL. There's no, it wasn't fine. It's not like he wanted a new contract. That's easy to figure out. You want a new contract? Let me see your, your numbers past three years. Okay, here, here it is. That's exactly what they did for him last year. That means it's deeper than money. And that is a little harder to fix. It's a little harder to fix. I know that, you know, they're singing Kumbaya for the cameras, but uh, it, it it is worth, I guess, keeping an eye on in the future. Now, like this is, it's a group of people that spends nearly every waking minute together or it's about to for the next nine months. Like things like this happen. It's like your, your college roommate, like my be- my college roommate's my best friend and we fought like hell throughout our four years at ASU just because we're always, you're always around each other and things like that arise and you get more comfortable bringing up issues that you have instead of kind of like swallowing them down so like I think it's not maybe it's something to keep an eye on but I don't think it's something to like lose sleep over if you're a Bills fan I thought Tom Pelissero actually he went on Good Morning Football I think yesterday and he brought up an excellent point you know for the people who said that you know it's a make or break it's a do or die year for the Bills uh they had maybe one of the most tumult tumultuous seasons we have ever seen in the NFL last year to be kind of capped off there by what, what DeMar Hamlin went through uh, the day after new year's. Like that just was like the, that was just the final straw. Like it was awesome seeing Naheem Hines take the next kickoff back the the following week. Like that was incredible. But like from afar, when all of that happened, when I could see like the looks on those guys' faces uh, in Cincinnati, I was like, there's there's no way. There's just simply no way that this isn't. This isn't a movie. This isn't Lifetime. Man, like this is real life. There's no way these guys have the amor- emotional fortitude to to fight through that and make a Super Bowl run that already is so mentally taxing. But to see one of your brothers, let's call it what it is, die on the football field and have to be brought back. There's no. There's no way. And you 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 do that after the after the the injuries after. Being snowed out of your homes, like after being delayed coming back, like so many things happened this year, and so I think people are seeing like the Bills' fault, like failed to make a a Super Bowl or fail to make a conference championship game yet again, and say like, oh man, like they're this is this is it, oh man, like McDermott and Bean, they can't do it. Like I, I don't think that last year should be what's driving that conversation. If we want to have that conversation, like I, I think there's a little bit of merit to it. Uh I, I think that Brendan Bean's drafts, while he started off very hot, I think the past few, when you look at them, look a little funny in the light. Like, they're they haven't been impactful. I think they're making their money through free agency and through free agent signings and bringing in guy kind of that the discarded player, the guy with the chip on the shoulder. That's been the, like their bread and butter. But after Ed Oliver, like who's who's their most impactful draftee uh Rousseau? Yeah, probably, yeah. Like but- and beyond that, there haven't been a whole lot of hits. And so, like, at any time, obviously, like, when you have a superstar quarterback and you're not making Super Bowls, you're not making conference championship games, people are going to look at the coach. I, I do think, like, their, their draft history is kind of a problem. But, like, I don't think that what happened last year made this year make or break. So I think, like, a lot of that feeling toward Sean McDermott was maybe a little unwarranted. Uh, I think that guy did. And, and the Matariza stuff at the beginning of the season, I, I forgot about that. Like, I think that, like, he did every That guy did everything he could to keep that team together, all things considered. There was no way in hell. There's no way in hell. He could have won three games next year and he would just enter the next year on the hot seat. They weren't going to fire him after everything that he's done for right. the city, everything he did for that team during that time. It's, it's Buffalo, man. It, it's deeper than football. I think it's deeper than football. I think he's, he's been here. He's been there long enough now. He's done enough that there is an emotional bond between that staff and this city to the point where it will buy him some extra time, even if the team starts to falter. But as I said earlier in the show, as long as you have Josh Allen, your window's open. It might even, it might be open this much, it might be open this much, but your window is open when you have a guy like Josh Allen.
0: What's something about the Dolphins that people aren't ready for, that's about to take off, right? Like, I know you know, over the years, like I almost feel like you could have put Poyer and Hyden in this category. Like they early on in their career, like when people didn't really know there were these guys that, you know, that they were retreads off of another team um, that, you know, free agents that weren't getting a lot of, bu- I shouldn't say retreads, like free agents that weren't getting a lot of buzz. Uh, they were getting repurposed. Mike, I play a lot of nickel corner uh, for the, for the Packers. What's something that you see kind of coming that maybe the rest of the league or the division doesn't see?
1: So, three players, right? The one, one we've mentioned already, Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips is the closest thing to Hercules that I have seen in person. Uh, but obviously, like, physique means if physique was any, everything, then Sean Open would be an all-pro right now. Yeah, he, They'll look at the sack numbers, and you'll see, I think it's 15 and a half over the past two years. It doesn't jump off the page. He's not putting together, like, 10 double-digit sack seasons and all that. But he's right there. On so many occasions, if you watch the tape, like his ability to get past his blocker and get into the backfield, his ability to force quarterbacks out of the pocket, it's kind of a reason why they got Bradley Chubb there on the other side to like funnel, hey, one of them is going to win and quarterback's going to have to scramble toward the other. I think Jalen Phillips makes a Pro Bowl-esque leap this year. I think he finally cracks that 10-sack rain or that 10-sack uh, plateau. So there's one. Number two is a name that people should be familiar with in Javon Holland. If you look at safeties under Vic Fangio, uh, guys like Justin Simmons, like Eddie Jackson, they tend to thrive in this system. And Javon Holland is one of the best safety, maybe the best safety in the NFL that people don't talk about enough. I, I, I'm not sure why. Maybe his intercept because his interception numbers were low last year and two years ago he was a rookie, second-round pick. The guy is a star. The guy is a star. One of the best noses for the ball that I've seen he's in that like Micah Hyde category except maybe uh I, I don't want to say like a little more athletic I think they're about the same caliber of, of of player but Javon Holland is right there and he's in his third season in the league another guy who I think should be in that Pro Bowl conversation could even flirt with All-Pro this year uh but you know we'll, we'll get there when we get there and then number three is the rookie Devon A. Chang. Devon A. E. Chain, if you were watching the, the draft this year, if you remember what, uh, you know, when the, the cameras panned into the Dolphins' war room, you know, when they took Cam Smith the corner in the second round, you know, Mike, I think he said he was texting his wife. He's, you know, kind of like kickback, looking at his phone. When they drafted A. Chain, all smiles, clapping, fist pumping. This was his guy. This was his guy. 4.3 yard or 4.3 second, 40 yard dash coming out of Texas AM. Watching him in minicamp and OTAs. Obviously, you, you take runs with a grain of salt, right, at this time of year. There's no pads. Guys are going 75%, 80%. Like, I don't, I don't care about the big runs. Watching him as a receiver, though, the fluidity of his cuts, his ability after the catch, once he's comfortable with the speed of the game, the guy is going to be a problem, especially considering the speed going vertical with Tyreek and, and Jalen Waddle. Guy coming out of the backfield running a 4-3, that's going to be tough. For linebackers, like it's a team. You're you're gonna have to put a safety in the box. You're gonna have to spy him coming out. Like you can't use a linebacker. I don't like even. I think Milano would be Buffalo's best bet at linebacker, and I don't know if he's keeping up with a four three guy.
0: Right. It's gonna be interesting to see how the Bills play the Dolphins because they obviously added Taylor Rapp, who could maybe be used somehow in like a big nickel type of role, and also what they're gonna do with middle linebacker. I mean, right now. Tyrell Dotson has been named as the odds on favorite by Brandon Bean himself. I don't think that they drafted Dorian Williams in his four or five speed to keep that on the sidelines. So I'm very interested to see how this thing progresses, but he's going to have to get to a point where he can actually get on the field, know the calls, and be able to deliver the calls, which Tremaine Edmonds spent five years perfecting. um, And even he had his struggles in the playoffs. So Lots to kind of on we're going to do so much of this over the next couple of months, really dive into all these different matchups and how this division it's, it's one of the, if not the best division in football, it's, it's maybe the most fun division in football to cover.
1: Yeah. like, and when you look at the quarterbacks in this division, you look at the star power and at the offenses, uh, it should be, it should be a lot of fun. It's come a long damn way, man, from 2019, <laughs> my first year in this division. Like I just, I, I still remember, Cause I had I had similar thoughts my first Bills game as my first Dolphins game because my first Bills game it was at they were at the at the Jets in week one and Josh Allen fumbles the first drive right mm-hmm. and they go down like it was what like sixteen zero or something like that sixteen three and I remember like crap <laughs> what do I do <laughs> what I do <laughs> I just felt right. like convincing, trying to convince people at ESPN that this was a playoff team, which I don't know if I've ever said that publicly, little, little side note for the people who think I didn't ride for this city when I was here. Like <laughs> I I can show you all the texts and the emails. I told everybody after training camp, yeah, this defense is going to be top five. I think they make the playoffs this year. No one believed me. And that's why I wasn't really on TV that first year. Either way back to the present. 2021, I'm covering Dolphins at Patriots. And it was awful. It was another awful game, like 16 to 14. Like Mac looked better than Tua. And I'm in the box like, I guess, thank God, it's 80 degrees every day of the year at home because like work's not going (laughs) to be fun. That wasn't a fun team to cover that year. It's totally different now. Like obviously watching Josh Allen play, man, he's worth the price of admission by himself. Watching what Tua has done with with Tyreek and Jalen and Mike McDaniel's offense, they are worth the price of admission. There's a reason why Dolphins games, the traffic is a little more difficult nowadays than it was in 2021 and before. Uh, it's just it's a really exciting team to cover, and obviously the Jets are like the 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 Joker of of the division, like the Joker, like the Batman villain, not like yeah. the, not calling them clowns.
0: But like they, they they're oh, uh, you get aggregated up. to hell with that with that line. That'd have been fun. Right. I'm, I'm, oh my
1: God! Somebody keep <laughs> go climbing away from this. Like I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get dragged. But uh, <laughs> like they're, acting like the chip on their shoulder. They're angry. They're ready. Like they talk a lot of trash. Like it, it's just, it should be fun. And then the Patriots,
0: yeah, it there. <laughs> the Patriots are there.
1: I don't care. I would, I will rarely if I say something complimentary about the Patriots. You know, I mean that because I hate them just as much as y'all do in Buffalo. It has nothing to do with my time in Buffalo and everything to do with the tuck rule. people don't forget. I'm not, I I was a Raiders fan growing up. That Mm. still hurts my feelings. It's still crap. And uh, I will, I can't support new England. I, 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 it has to be exemplary for me to compliment them. If not,
0: they're just New England, and, it, and it's funny because I feel like Bill Belichick does things like every once in a while, their organization in general that just reminds you of why everybody just doesn't like them. So whatever, tough. It, it, you, you've you've made the bed, and now you sleep in it, and everybody wants you to lose and be miserable. I mean, Patricia and Judge experiment last year was the dumbest, <laughs> like
1: the dumbest thing I've ever seen in the NFL. Like the dumbest thing I've ever seen a smart person do.
0: In, in and the even NFL. and he refuses to like even explain it. Like, has there been a press conference or a story that ex- explained what the fuck he was thinking? Sorry, that was. <laughs> I'm <talk> about that. <laughs> but seriously though, like, bro, like one of the most he he's been called a genius by people that know the game more than anybody, and you go run those two jokers out there. Like, are you? And I am calling those two guys clowns.
1: Yeah, it, it is a testament to his arrogance, right there. Like, there's a I think there's a line from. Uh... I think there's, there's a line from that show, King of the Hill, where Bobby, is, they're in Phoenix, and he sees it's like 110 out. It's like, this city is a testament to man's arrogance. It's an affront to God. Like, that was, the, that was the Patriots' offensive staff last year. They had a combined one year of any sort of offensive experience. I think Joe Judge was an offensive analyst early in his career, an offensive assistant early in his career. Like, no duh. Everybody on the planet, everybody on, in the football world knew that wasn't going to work. Knew that wasn't going to work. It's like, why would you, you wasted a year? You just waste, You just wasted a year, Bill. Like, you're starting to look a little, you're starting to look a little funny in the light without Tom Brady. I'm not going to lie to you. You're obviously, he's obviously the, the best defensive mind the, the game's ever seen. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves here. But, you know, I, I think, you know, that whole debate that, uh, you know, who profited from the other more, Tom or Bill, I think we gotta see who. I think we see who did. I think we see who, it, it was it was Bill reaping the benefits more so than Tom.
0: Uh this was so much fun, man. We could sit here and go talk football, talk life for hours. Uh, but I'm gonna let you get out of here. Enjoy uh, your week. You got some fun plans uh, on tap, and uh, I'm jealous of going uh, to Disney World. Uh, that's Third. wonderful. It's gonna I be awesome. Gonna
1: say, anytime, whenever you all, whenever you want to come out let me know. I got, you know, I got the, I got the things, I got the passes, I got the, the admissions, this and that.
0: I got oh. you. Well, guess what? We'll be there in March. Um, our whole, f- my, my wife's side of the family, um, uh, my, my father-in-law got one of those, um, what are they called? The houses. I always see the ads for them. I don't know, but you like get a house for the, it's huge and it can fit like all these different people that are coming out from the, from that side of the family. So we'll be out there for a week. So we'll get up. I'll see you, uh, in Buffalo. Uh, week four, and then in Miami in January. He's Marcel Louis-Jacques. Find him on Twitter, at Marcel underscore LG, across your uh, TV screens on ESPN. He does it all. Thank you so much, my friend. Yes, sir. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.